my name is Solvashes, and welcome back to InFlight. It has been a long two months since the last time that we uploaded, and I'm really sorry that it has taken so long for us to get another episode out, but in real life complications between myself and Norm have just made it really hard to find times to record and to get guests on the show. But I believe that I can finally say that we are back posting as regularly as possible. And we're back with a really cool episode. So on today's episode, we have Patrick on, we have Frederick on, and we have Gabriel on. Now, Patrick, you've heard from before. Patrick is the face of Canada for X-Plane. Um, so he develops primarily Canadian scenery for X-Plane 11. However, Frederick and Gabriel are a part of this group called FSIM Studios, who you may not have heard about if you are primarily on the X-Plane scene. And FSIM Studios has done a lot of Canadian scenery as well, uh, in addition to some other locations that they mention in this podcast episode. And Patrick, Frederick, and Gabriel all partnered together recently to bring Vancouver to Microsoft Flight Simulator and also to bring it to X-Plane. So Vancouver is available for every single one of these platforms. It's not yet available for Microsoft Flight Simulator, um, but Frederick um, and Gabriel have allowed Patrick to release Vancouver um, for X-Plane 11. So that is already out. So it is a, today we are interviewing a group of developers who have all banded together in order to make the best Canadian scenery possible. And I can tell you from somebody who has seen all of their work and who has experienced their work that they really are doing amazing things for all their simulator platforms. So we had a really great conversation today. We talked about the Microsoft Flight Simulator SDK, which we tend to talk about most of the time whenever we have a de developer on the show. We talked about coffee, we talked about engineering and all that type of stuff. It was a really interesting episode and I learned a lot from them and I think that you will learn a lot from them too, especially if you're new to developing or if you don't know that much about developing for any of the simulators. It's a great conversation. A few things to note about this episode. The first thing that you are going to hear immediately out of the gate is that Norm's audio sounds significantly worse than it normally does. And I wanted to get this podcast episode out earlier than it is getting out now, but I have been spending the past week or so trying to get it to sound as good as possible. Um, I'm not exactly sure what happened, and I haven't um, bothered to look into it that much, but hopefully this issue won't happen again in the future. So Norm is going to sound like he's on a phone call, which he's not. Um, and it might sound a little bit weird at points, but I did my best to make the audio sound as best as it could with basically what I was able to take um, from Norm's audio. Um, so I hope that it's okay. Um, and as I said in next episodes, this will not be the case. Um, and also this is a pretty long episode, so definitely make sure that you have your popcorn ready for this one. Um, but regardless, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast episode and that it was worth the wait. We have some exciting guests lined up. I promise you the podcast is not going anywhere after this. And I, once again, I'm really sorry um, for this break and the lack of communication. But regardless, let's get on with this episode. Hope you guys enjoy In Flight, episode number 27. Jeez, can't believe I'm actually a coffee fiend. You know, used to be a tea guy and I got my first shot of coffee and that was it. It's done. There's nothing like it ever. With milk oh. and sugar, by the way. 
Oh, so you you <laughs> oh, don't drink no, black? Oh, no. no. Oh, black is the way. <laughs> Come on, yeah. really? I don't really drink coffee. I'm more of a tea guy. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm the only one here. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been well, doing those late nights. I'm a tea guy. <laughs> Actually, coffee makes me go to sleep at nights. If I drink it late at night, I don't stay up. I go straight to sleep. At what? Then that seems a little counterintuitive for you drinking it in the morning. Then exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm a weird guy. I admit it. But yeah. So you guys are the new conglomerate on the block, huh? F Sim Studios. I like that, man. Yeah. Uh, when did you guys um, hook up and come about? How did this happen? Uh, that's a that's a long story, actually. So, um, first of all, I'm originally from Latin America. That's why there's probably a bit of an accent that I have. Um. And being, yeah, um, being from Latin America, you know, the community, uh, the Polytechnic community there, it's not that um, large, maybe, mainly because add-on scenery and add-on products in general are very expensive. Um, so, um, you know, I've been a, a aviation fan forever <laughs> since I was born, basically. And I don't know, I got into flight simulation when I was, 12 i think and um, well yeah i mean my first simulator was x.7 back then um they, like the add-on uh community for x wasn't as big as it is today um for example x.7 i remember it only had a couple like add-on planes like it, there were no add-on scenery there, there was no way of getting the the scene like add-on sceneries onto X-plane, and these airplanes were like also pretty terrible. Like it it was barely flyable. So I got bored of X-plane very quickly, and got FSX. And when I got FSX, I was like so amazed with all of the different sceneries and planes and utilities, like all the different things you can get for for the for FSX back then. And because of, well, again, I'm from Latin America, so um, getting, for example, the PMGG 737 for me was like pretty much impossible. And it still is for they, a lot of people because they oh, yeah. a fortune for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely on, on like the more expensive side of uh, item products. And, and usually that's the case with those detailed aircraft. And those are the ones you want to fly, right? You don't want to fly those uh i don't know cheap or or free words yeah once you go uh, good fidelity airplane it's hard to go back to something that halfway functions properly exactly um, i think that so i think that people um i think that that's why the the term is in the flight sim community i gotta prepare my wallet is just so common because people <laughs> are like oh shoot there's another one <laughs> yeah and for for example, for me, one plane that I really, really wanted to have is the MD-80. Back then, there was a couple of options. Um, MD-80s are super popular in Latin America, still flying today. And for me, that was the plane that I wanted. And just getting the MD-80 was like prohibitively expensive for me. Um, so one day I was like, you know what? If people are doing this, I can do this as well. So I don't know. I just started playing with the SDK, playing with um, the different tools. 
and I got something, uh, a very terrible product, and I released that on the market. And from there, I made, I don't know, like $50, which, I mean, it's money that I just made by playing with the SDK, basically, and, and learning, because I didn't know how to do anything. And from there, uh, I just started, like, you know, building more and doing more things and more complex things and learning more. And that's how um, everything started. So then I immigrated to Canada and that's where things got serious um, with this because um, I think the first product that he made, like first Canadian product was Toronto, like the Toronto City Airport. And that one was a great success. And the Canadian community is actually uh, a very, it, it's a great community. People are very invested into like flight sim and they, they are very supportive if, because like Canada has been always one of those places that no developer has really put that many attention in because there's probably like more profitable markets like Europe and the US. So larger, yeah, like the developers, the, the large developers are focused on those markets more than the Canadian market. And I didn't really know that, but I, I just, you know, I was moving to Canada, so why not? And when I started developing Canadian products and started seeing how the community reacted, that was the thing that made me actually, uh, you know, decide to keep uh, going for Canadian airports. And then Calgary came and then, uh, after Calgary, I had a bit of a break from Canada. I went back to like Latin America, uh, did Cancun, did Panama City, and then back to Canada with Edmonton, Kelowna, and now Vancouver. And the plan for 2021, we pretty much only have Canadian airports for this year. There is a few products that we're like discussing, Frederick and I, that are not located in Canada, but mainly or focused for this year is Canada. I mean, it's funny if I might jump in here and say that other than Toronto, I would never fly anywhere else in Canada if it wasn't for you guys and Patrick. <laughs> Seriously. Because, you know, yeah, yeah. Every, as you said, everybody's like the U.S., you know, New York, L.A., London, Paris, you know, whatever. Canada's like, okay, it's more, you know, I'm in the U.S., so it's north of the border. But, yeah, I've been to Toronto, and that's all I knew. But when you guys come out with these cedars, like, whoa. I can do a long haul from one side of Canada to the next. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. So I appreciate you guys um, concentrating on that part of North America, you know, and let everybody else, you know, step all over each other for the, the rest of it. It's good. It's good for the flights of Canada. It's opened up my whole flying area now even more. There's places I still haven't done yet. And then the Canadian Rockies, I can keep going. But thank you guys for doing that. I appreciate it. Yeah. As uh, I said, I'm, um, I'm, oh, sorry. Yeah. I was gonna add in with maybe with like only ten major Canadian cities, it won't be long before we have you know most, if if not all, yeah. Canadian airports done. But there are it's crazy though because there are so many places around Canada has never been touched. Um, I have a couple destinations in my mind that um, have never been touched by any developers. Um, and I think it's interesting because there's all these major airports. This Patrick said there's a handful of them, um, but then there's all these remote airports that are, you know, we don't think as Yellow Life as being the most popular airport in the world, but for some people, for a lot of people, those airports are the ones that are lacking in our simulators. Yeah, for example, Yellow Knife, um, they have direct flights from Frankfurt, I think. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a very popular destination for Germans, and the German community is huge. So that, for example, could be an interesting location. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm also with Norm. I mean, I wanted to fly to Montreal because I have a I have a very personal connection to Montreal because I've um, been there a few times for music trips, and um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Montreal, but there's the huge basilica there. And uh, I performed there a few times, so I always love to go to Montreal um, and go into old Montreal and hang out there. So that was the first airport that I immediately wanted to go to. And when I realized there was no scenery for it, I was really disappointed. And um, hearing Patrick was working on Vancouver, which is the other scenery um, that I wanted as well, um, was so awesome. Because when I when Patrick finally released Vancouver, and I flew there and I was able to land and have such a beautiful airport. It just, it was so important and it meant so much that you guys are working on this market that so many people just don't really touch. And it's, uh, I think with Microsoft Flight Simulator more than other, um, more than ever, excuse me, people are just exploring new places and what better way than to develop for it and to show people that there's some beautiful places to go in Canada and you just have to have the uh, inclination to look for them. <laughs> yeah, tons. Like, if you want a regional flight, I think Canada has, there's, you know, there's only a few major cities, but for regional airports, you know, there's there's thousands. And there's so many of that that I want to do that have, you know, really neat approaches, super unique approaches that, you know, are are, are really challenging. Some of them are really easy, but, you know, beautiful places in the country. And there's thousands of them. So. Um, there's there's so many destinations that that we can do and it's pretty exciting um now that for example in in microsoft flight simulator uh we don't really have uh airliners that are uh like worth like flying (laughs) to be honest um yeah yeah. so (laughs) it's more inclined to general aviation um for now i guess um and that makes for example, those are uh, like airports that are in remote, remote locations or have interesting approaches or like have something different, but are not in a major city. Those are uh, more like interesting than ever. Yeah. What was, um Patrick, what was that one airport that we were talking about last, I think it was about last week. Um, that you said is like the Innsbruck of Canada. Oh, Castlegar, Castlegar in uh, British Columbia, just uh, probably yeah. an hour flight west of or east of uh, Vancouver. I think we were, I think we were saying that in in a lot of ways that airport would be like perfect for Microsoft Flight Simulator because of the fact that it it's has this challenging approach to it, yeah. and is, it, I mean, you described it as just a really fun airport to fly to as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that may or may not be a current project. Ooh, <laughs> is that a GA or airliner? Mix of both. Uh, I know uh, Canadian North comes in there with a seven thirty seven two hundred for charters. They also have the three hundred coming in there. Um, Dash eight is regular service from Calgary and Vancouver. Um, it is mostly kind of smaller turboprop, but bringing like a seven thirty seven into that airport is a handful. It is super challenging, but it is so rewarding when you get down because you got that short runway. Um, on either side, you know, you got mountain on either side, you got a cliff on the other end. It's it's awesome, man. You got to try it. 
Now, as a as a simmer, I I would much rather prefer a challenging approach than a straight in ILS from sixty miles out. You know, there's no fun in that anymore. Oh yeah, I agree. Oh yeah, absolutely. I would I would prefer that if I could. I actually would debate this and saying that 60 miles approach into Vancouver, uh, if you're going 2-6 right, is beautiful. With the uh, Rockies on the right side, with the uh, the city downtown on the right side as well. Beautiful approach. I always seem to get the other, the other end of that approach coming over the water, coming into Vancouver. I guess it's the winds or something, but I'm going to try that with the Rockies on the right side. I like that. Uh, both in Microsoft and, and in X-Plane, because I have the, the, the latest Vancouver from Canada for X-Plane. It's beautiful. So, yeah. <clears throat> but definitely, I mean, I like the fact that you guys, again, are uncovering um, this part of the world that is busy in real life, but nobody does it in the set. You know what I mean? So that's a good deal. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's also a lot of special, special operations uh, on the north. So like cargoes and, and like there's like smaller airports where, for example, DC-3s operate. And if, if in the future, if we have like a good DC-3 to, to like fly around on MSFS, it would be great to fly to these other like smaller airports in the North as well. There's so, a lot of like interesting um, locations that, that could be, uh, you know, developed in Canada in detail. Yeah, like, for I, example, uh... we, uh, yeah, Frederick, sorry. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say I was um if ever there'd be a Dash Eight or even a King Air um developed for MSFS. Um my day job is teaching, I'm a teacher, but um before I got to where I am uh, today I used to teach on uh Cree community in uh, northern Quebec. Um and there's all these small airports that are fifty minutes flight from one another and there's the milk run that starts from Montreal, goes to Val d'Or, and then they go to all the different communities. So there's uh, Wiscaganish, there's uh, East Main, there's Shisaspi, and all the way up to James Bay. And those are beautiful places to fly. Mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, they're gravel runways. Um, and those are places that I feel would be awesome for simmers, MSFS especially, to explore. What is like, I know I've talked to Patrick about this, um, but I am just, I am really just getting to know you and um, Frederick and Gabriel. What is, um, what is like your airport that you've done that you love and that is so personal to you and that you're so happy that you did and it looks great? Um, okay, I'll, I'll start. For me, <laughs> I mean, there's two airports. The first one would be Vancouver, just because I'm so proud of the result. It's been mm. the largest project uh, that, that Freddie and I, uh, and I uh, have done so far. And also, um, like performance so, so far in terms of comments and, and the community reaction and everything to the airport has been amazing. Mm -hmm. That would be the first one. The second one would be Calgary. So Calgary is, I consider currently my home uh, city. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was that was the first large project that I took when I when I got to Canada like after Toronto City Airport Calgary was the second one so for me that was like a whole new chapter and 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 after Calgary was released again like the community just went crazy because there wasn't a good Calgary scenery for uh, P3D or FSX back then 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think for me, um, I don't know. I, I feel like Kelowna is my uh, most proud product just because the first one officially I joined the team was uh, Gabriel. Um, and we released that one um, together. It was the first real project that I was working on for uh, for the flight sim community. Um, really proud. And I didn't know when I got into the project, I didn't know how um, particular this airport was in the mountains and some of the RNAV approaches as well. Um, so I had a lot of fun while <laughs> developing the scenery, just trying to shoot approaches and see what the airport was, was all about. Um, and I've never really heard about Kelowna prior either. Um, so that was a nice surprise. And then obviously Vancouver, which is, as Gabriel said, it's a huge, huge, huge endeavor. Um, so something to be proud of, a lot of work that went into it. Um, and it's definitely, I think, as Patrick, you said earlier, uh, not Patrick, but uh, Sol, you said earlier, um, flying from, you know, Montreal or Toronto all the way to Vancouver, that long haul in Canada is awesome. So it's one of my favorite mm -hmm. flights to do. Yeah, he flies like twice a week that route. It's more interesting than flying uh, cross country in uh, in um, in the USA. It's just flat here. There's nothing to look at, you know. But flying it from Canada, there's way more features in the, in the land itself, and it's just beautiful. So having sceneries on both ends to take off and land in is the key for me. So having developers work on those airports, it's nice to um, take off at a nicely done airport and land at a nicely done airport. It's almost something underwhelming to land in a default airport. It just doesn't seem right. I don't know what you guys think. So, you know, I, I love having airports on both ends of my, my trips and destinations and journeys. Yeah, two good airports, both ends, cup of coffee, full VATSIM coverage. That's the perfect flight right there. There was full Canada coverage uh, last weekend, actually, because I was doing, um, a friend and I decided to do an impromptu flight around the world. So we unfortunately ended up leaving from Newark, which meant that we had to end at Newark, which um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Newark, but it's not great. <laughs> um, and we were we were crossing the pond. No, sorry, we were leaving. Um, I was leaving Heathrow, he was leaving uh, Gatwick, and we were going down to Lagos in Africa. And uh, we saw that Canada had full coverage and we were both like, oh, God damn, why are we doing this right now when we could be having full Canada coverage, which is so rare these days. But luckily, um, as soon as we noticed it, it was only full for like 30 minutes and then one of them dropped off. But um, full ATC coverage on VATSIM is something really special. And I'm waiting for the day that I'm able to fly from the East Coast to the West Coast or vice versa and never, ever go to Unicom. I don't know if you've uh, checked it out, but a lot of the Canadian FIRs, they have this huge culture around them. Like they have, a you know, a big group of following group and uh, they always hold events with each other. And they always I don't know if this is the same in that's in uh, USA, but uh, in Canada, they're always holding events with each other. And like ba Vancouver, we'll talk to Toronto and they'll get all the centers online from the east to the west. Right. There's only like four or five. So it's not that hard um, considering. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun and you get that top-down ETC and it makes that, that scenery even better. And yeah, wonderful experience. It, yeah, it's funny because it used to be the joke that Toronto would always be offline way back when, five, ten years ago. And now it's Toronto's always online, Montreal's never online. So it always used to be that kind of like battle in between the two FIRs. Um, it's a great place to fly, honestly. You always can count on Winnipeg being online. Uh, Vancouver is kind of getting more and more active too with the scenery, I, I noticed. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. actually noticed scenery <laughs> taking it up. Yeah, just after 
just after we released a scenery, I think it was uh, online for a few days, right, Frederick? You, you were flying a lot these, those yep. days. You know, there's always the joke in the U.S. that Boston is always on online, but New York Center is just like never online unless most of the East Coast is online. It's kind of like a, all right, you guys are online. I guess I should join too. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But hey, you know, it's, it's benefits of the times that we're living in uh, being at home a lot. So I appreciate all the coverages. Are you guys getting more time, by the way, to develop scenery now based on what's going on in the world, you know, with the, the sickness and stuff? Or is it the same? I think, um, uh, yeah, a fair bit more time. Okay, yeah, yeah so, I, yeah, I, I, as I said earlier, I teach, so now everything is online. So my whole days are teaching these days and planning. Um, so I don't get much time um, to do the scenery. It's more of a weekend thing or an evening thing. Um, but for sure, I remember when everything shut down here in Canada last year. Um, that's really when we had a lot of time on our hands to work mm -hmm. on that. So that was really, really awesome. Yeah, I had like a couple of uh, months off just developing and, and that actually helped a lot uh, with Vancouver. Um, nowadays, I have a day job as well. Um, I'm an engineer, so, um, you know, I'm working from home currently and that like allows me to have a couple more hours uh, to work on developing every day. But as well, like same, same with Patrick, uh, I'm sorry, Frederick. For me, it's mostly a weekend thing. Um, but yeah, like my evenings are also uh, invested in development. So, Frederick, you said you're a teacher. How has that been um, during the pandemic? Because I'm personally a student myself, and I've I've noticed that. Um, I've I've talked to a few teachers, and they've talked about how it's actually it's pretty hard for them to adjust to this new teaching style. Um. I, I actually enjoy it a lot. Um, just the fact that I don't have to wake up that early in the morning. I just wake up, take my coffee, <laughs> breakfast, and I'm online. Um, and then we our days are finishing at 1230. Um, and then there's lunch and then there's the study hall, but no kids ever show up to that. So basically my day's over at 1230. Um, I like, except like I know a lot of teachers are just kind of like bummed out because it's teaching four classes or four hours in a single day. So it's a lot of prep. Uh, for me, I, I enjoy it. Um, the only thing I'm missing is that personal connection with the kids where, you know, sometimes you're teaching and no one has their webcam on. So you're sort of teaching to the wall. Um, but other than mm -hmm. that, I really enjoy it. I think it's it's nice. Um, it's different. I don't know if next year I'll still be very eager to go teach online uh, or be back in the classroom. But for me, it was a positive experience throughout. That's great. Yeah. Norm does... Um... Norm works in, uh, how, how would you describe your job? You work, I'm in the technology you work field, in right. So I deal, I deal a lot with internet connections and so forth. And I've actually been working double since this thing starts because everybody's home, everybody's online. Everybody wants a faster connection. You're finally realizing that five people at home online doing web meetings and schooling, you need a faster connection. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> sorry. So the company that I work for, we've just been swamped with work upgrading and fixing and making sure that nobody loses your service in daytime and you wouldn't believe man getting mobbed to go down the streets and like hey my internet's out yeah i've noticed that too i honestly i've been lucky for that but i have some of my students um who can't be online for some periods of time just because uh someone else needs a chromebook or someone else needs a computer or there's too many people in the connection um but with uh, the whole like google suite that's what we're using google classroom it's just been 
a blessing. The technology's there. Uh, pretty much everything works very well as it should. Um, yeah. So, but I, I can see how a lot of uh, students are saying how the internet is being an issue uh, these days. I found seeing a week to myself the internet. However, it's good for streaming because um, my streams have never been better as far as just being uploading and, and streaming 1080p because I have a great connection at home. I made sure of that. <laughs> you know, true, true, true. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know about you guys, but uh, as far as the development side of developing sceneries, I mean, I know you try to keep your sceneries at where uh, the frames are good for, both, for all the simulators. But yeah. does, does the internet connection affect that for you guys? Or do, are you putting more things and more objects in the sceneries or which require more download space? I, I don't know. How does it work for you guys? Yeah. So for uh, B3D and especially now for MSFS, um, one of the biggest issues would be uh, the satellite images take a lot of space. MSFS, I don't know why, but if you um, put like custom satellite images, they take a lot more than P3D uh, like or three images. So the problem that we are facing right now, we're trying to develop a new like tool for downloads. We are going to announce this like very soon, but we're developing something. And one of the issues that I'm having right now is that um, in terms of server cost, it it just like it's it's very expensive. So it's something we're trying to balance, and and now with uh, Vancouver for uh, MSFS, we had to actually cut the area that we cover with custom satellite images, just because it would be I don't know like a ten gigabyte download. Yeah. Has has um covering areas with your own custom um, satellite images in Microsoft Flight Simulator, has it gotten easier? Because I remember speaking to developers a few months ago, and they said that at least with the current SDK, it was uh, it was rather difficult to put your own images in yeah. without um, just going through a bunch of loopholes to avoid Bing's imagery. Yeah, so I, I would say that P3D is still easier. Like the solution that P3D has, it's way better. But yeah. uh, like the MSFS solution is not that. The only problem that I'm having okay. is uh, file size. Like it, it gets very, very large, very, very quickly. Yeah, I mean that that's always been my issue with Ortho, and why I've always um, tried to work on them myself before actually permanently putting them in my hard drive, um, because I still primarily fly X plane. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to just get ortho for most of the US because I have the space to do it. So I figured why not? Um, but I I know that if you're not careful with it, sometimes ortho can really be overwhelming. So I can't even imagine what it's like from a developer's perspective. Yeah, that's um, one of the large large issues that we currently have. Um but I mean Having the default satellite images is always a benefit in, in the case of MSFS. Yeah. Many airports, many cities, it's great and, and more than enough. Some other places, for example, Vancouver, it's outdated. It's not the greatest quality. That's why we decided to go for the custom uh, images. Oh, okay. So... um. Gabriel, you mentioned that you are 
uh, in your day job you're an engineer yeah. have you found that that the um so i was i need i need a little bit of background mm -hmm. before i ask this question so you understand why i'm asking it so um i was going to major in aerospace engineering okay. but um it i decided against it because i realized that there were some aspects of aerospace engineering that I needed to learn, such as calculus, that I really mm -hmm. wasn't a huge fan of. <laughs> oh, come on. It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, it just, it was just so, I just found it really boring. <laughs> it wasn't hard to do, but I was just, it just, it seemed pointless. I, yeah. I didn't really enjoy calculus. So I took a complete 180 and I am studying psychology now. Okay. <laughs> um, That's very, very different. But I know that it, <laughs> yeah, but I know I know that as an engineer, you're you're very often taught to learn how to problem solve. Yes, and that was something that I got really really early, especially in math, is that um they they you just wouldn't be told how to solve some things, and you would need to figure it out, and that was part of the curriculum, which I thought was really great because it also um helped me in my other classes as well, being able to uh, find issues with like papers that I was writing or something along those lines and um be able to solve those issues so have you found that your engineering background has helped you in ways to solve issues that you might have come up while developing for p3d or microsoft light Definitely. simulator or yeah. is it just so different that you haven't seen any um any any result of your field yeah so just to give a bit of background as well um and my major is mechanical engineering even though i'm not working in mechanical i'm working in software um always being more like software inclined but i did i like at the end i i decided to go for mechanical because of the same idea you had with aerospace engineering i guess mm -hmm. um like Third year university, I realized mechanical is very, very different to what I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like there's a lot of things that I find boring about it, but that's not the point. The thing is <laughs> I work in software and working in software and also like the flight simulation software being, well, software. Um, there's yeah. a lot of things that I apply from like, like my software skills and my programming and problem solving skills onto flight simulation. And for example, one of the things that we did for Edmonton and later Kelowna and, and Vancouver is that, um, P3D lets you switch, uh, seasons and, and do weather dependent changes based mm -hmm. on code based on on scripting right so it's like it's it's like if else statements pretty much basically yeah so you take a variable from the sim which is for example uh weather or wind or any of that and then um with an if else if for example if weather equals rain well just do this mm -hmm. and this is right. completely independent from sod so one of the things that uh so like the the jetway engine that p3d has one mm -hmm. of the problems there is that you can crash the sim very easily especially now with v5 it, it it's creating a lot of issues so having mm -hmm. those changes completely independent from sod is a great solution and so far that's the solution we we implement on every single product mm -hmm. and also Another thing, well, as I already mentioned, we're working on a on a new like tool for downloads and updates and all of that. 
just to streamline everything and like avoid people having to reinstall the product every time we we fix something or or every time we update the product right okay that's actually that's really cool. this question i've heard so last many times of many developers what's the learning curve like now with microsoft i'm assuming you guys We'll talk about some of what you guys are going to be doing coming up soon, but what's the learning curve like with Microsoft developing for it? It's easier. I would say it's easier, but that being really? said, yeah. That being said, there's, <laughs> for me, it has been easier. There's a few things where you can take shortcuts compared to P3D. But that being said, there's also a lot of things that are missing. Yeah, I think it's easier throughout. I think the 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 process is streamlining. Uh, streamlined. I think um, the SDK is the biggest thing that's being mm-hmm. faulty and causing us Definitely. issues for the most part at the moment. It is incredible. Yeah. But at the same time, the SDK also does offer some options that we're not, or that we're making us take so many um, steps in the past that we don't have to take anymore. Um, I think the other thing that's awesome as well uh, for some developers as well who were not playing uh, with ambient occlusion or not putting ambient occlusion on their models is that uh, Flight Sim 2020 does that automatically. So if you were a scenery maker in the past, you were not um, putting any ambient occlusion on your model, your scenery was, eh, you know, not the greatest. But now Flight Sim 2020 makes it look awesome. So mm-hmm. that's a big change as well. It makes it a little bit easier for people who want to start making scenery, I suppose. Yeah, but um, touching again on the point with uh, like about the SDK, definitely there's a lot of things that are missing. There's a, like few things that we like no one really knows what to do. Um, for example, uh, I was just working on something for the past like four or five days, and I got like the latest update yesterday, and it doesn't work anymore. Oh no! <laughs> so I have no idea what to do now. Just wait for the next update, and like that's gonna delay the product that we are about to release, which is Vancouver for MSFS. Um. So yeah, like I have no idea what to do now. Jeez. So that's the frustrating part and growing pains, I guess, with a brand new simulator and also trying to be, you know, getting your products over to it. I mean, do you sit back and just say, you know what, I'm done. I'm gonna wait for a year, or do you keep trying and getting frustrated from time to time? Yeah, but I mean, I get it. It's a brand new platform. I think like people are moving very, very fast to the new platform. And well, I mean, the market has to adapt as well. So we are trying to do as much as possible with uh, what we have. And I know some people are unhappy with that. Some other people are okay with that. But yeah, we definitely have some limitations. Things are some things are easier. Some other things are hard yeah i mean that's that's something i've always tried to pay attention to when i've been reviewing products too uh and and why i've been trying to educate myself on some things um i i think it was i think it was patrick we were speaking a few weeks ago and um i i I think you asked me um do you review products for microsoft flight simulator differently than you review products for Mm x-plane And my answer was that, yes, I do, because there's so many things that you guys are still not quite able to do or that you have to kind of cheat on in order to get into the simulator because the simulator is developing and the SDK is by no means in its final form and is constantly evolving. And that's something that 
is I think some people forget that I wanted to make sure I didn't forget when I was looking at sceneries too, excuse me, is that um, you guys are, are learning just as much as Asobo is learning mm -hmm. um, about this process and that, you know, sceneries won't be perfect and exactly how you want them to be until all the tools are available to you for you to make it perfect and beautiful and everything that you want the scenery to be. Yeah, comparing it to explains SDK, it is. I don't know what 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 those guys are doing to make it so nice, but uh, being from explain and going to Microsoft SDK, I it's been you know tough. Like I just mm -hmm. kind of the workflows are, are quite a bit different for me, and the uh, um just the way you have to process the scenery and kind of ha you have to. I think you have to think ahead uh, far more doing it in Microsoft Flight. Yeah, would say explain. I don't know if that goes over to P3D, but uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, it's just I I think there's a lot more planning you got to do and kind of there, there's a greater loss if you don't do something correctly and it's a little bit harder to fix. Um cuz explain super easy, everything is in text. Everything you can edit with with a text editor, right? You you could rewrite the entire simulator with just a text editor, right? It, it's amazing, it's great. And um you know, Microsoft Flight Sim, a lot more things are compiled like that uh, or not like that and you know, everything's a little bit harder, so you really have to think ahead that, you know, got to make sure that this part is perfect before we bring it in or this part you know this model is is almost you know de dead perfect before we bring it in because you know modifying it after i found it to be a way bigger struggle than say explain where you just edit a couple of values and you change your entire model that that's that's where i, I come from it so uh it, it'll be a, a good learning curve in the future here when we get some uh, more uh products out yeah, I would say both P3D and Explain are very modular. So each building or each texture, everything is a separate entity. Here in MSFS, you have to compile compile everything to just one package, and then making changes over that package is very very complicated. You basically have to recompile it, and that's a waste of time, honestly. Oh. That makes sense now. Okay. I was wondering why people were, were commenting on how tedious it can be yeah. sometimes. And I didn't know that you that everything had to be in an entire package. That's really annoying. My God. <laughs> yeah. I think the only thing you can just like deactivate easily is textures. You can just remove it from a text file. But models or like anything else, it has to be compiled. Wow. Okay. So that that makes a lot of sense as to why Explain developers are having a tricky time going there because they're used to being able to click everything individually and move everything around like that. I don't I don't know anything about P3D personally. So if it's the same case for P3D, yeah, yeah, it's that would make sense. Yeah. So then that that makes sense as to why it's such a different system for people. Because I was trying to figure out exactly like obviously this isn't the only thing, but I was I've been trying to figure out what 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 are some minute things that separate Microsoft Flight Simulator um, from P3D and Xplane that make it different for developers to uh, use it. But that actually, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know if you remember, Sol, but uh, when I was working on the interiors for Vancouver, that one stream, and uh, you, you kept mm -hmm. on catching out those texture problems and kind of the model issues, mm -hmm. that would have taken probably twice as long or three times as long in Microsoft Flight Sim than it did just from Xplane. Because, you know, in Xplane, I had all that the text editors right in front of me, right? I could just change values on the fly, but uh, right, yeah, I'm I'm glad I didn't have to do that for uh, MSFS. Yeah, I'm struggling with that for MSFS. Like similar issue. Um, there's a few texture issues, 
And just because of that, again, no idea how to fix it. Um, there's not that much information about the specific issue that I'm having. So I'm just trying different things. And every time I try something else, um, I have to compile and, and open sim again and check if it worked and go back. So it's so, so to, to help me to help me visualize this, it's kind of like, uh, Patrick, maybe you'll be able to help me with this. It's as if um, with your process that we were speaking about earlier, when I noticed those issues, you went through and you just edited a few things either in the textures or the text files or something along those lines. And then you just, uh, then, then you would see the changes in the simulator um, near instantly. But if you were to do the same thing in Microsoft Flight Simulator, if I were to make those comments, you need to make those issues, you need to, sorry, make those changes and then recompile everything. And then you would finally get the changes um, that you put. Is that kind of what you guys are saying? Yeah. Yeah, because the next plane you can just click reload scenery right in the in the little dev corner, so yeah. that literally instantly reloads everything you just did. In Microsoft Flight Sim, I'm under the understanding that uh, you have to close the simulator, you know, do your fixes, recompile it, open it back up again, get back into dev mode, and then get into the scenery project. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so from a layman, uh, how long does the recompiling take? That really depends. So for example, um. If you're just compiling the airport, it might take five minutes. But if you're compiling the airport and the Earth of Photos, it, it can take like hours. What? Like for Vancouver, if I compile everything to like everything together, it probably takes an hour and a half. Wow. Oh my god. Yeah. So I just work with the airport and then just work with the Earth of Photos and then compile everything together. Like I work the two things separately just because compiling every time, every like everything together um it's just a waste of time and then you compile everything and realizing that you forgot one thing and you're like oh exactly so that, that <laughs> happened to me a lot jeez my mouth is wide open right now going how do you guys have the patience because i'm the guy who i'm the guy who just get to criticize and go look at this they didn't do the scenery right or they didn't do this cart right or something is wrong not realizing how much work goes into what you guys do and how frustrating it is at this point maybe it's going to get better you know, and so for you guys out there listening, you know, this is what goes into what making a scenery. It's not easy. So, you know, step back a little bit with before you make a comment or in chat or in a forum about what scenery looks like or don't look like. You know what I mean? And to, yeah, to add to your point, actually, it reminds me of a couple of years ago. I remember when Flytempo released Montreal for uh, PCVD. Um, they released the, the update and a lot of us were complaining on their forum because they, they mismodel a part of the terminal, which was essential, and we couldn't believe they hadn't seen that before. Um, and it took them maybe a month, two months to uh, release that further update. And now being in the field, I can see why you know we're pushing stuff to a, an update that's going to come in the, the future. So for example, the new apron in Vancouver was part of an update. And same thing for the downtown was part of an update, because if you want to include everything, you'll never be done, right? So you got to break it down in pieces, um, and that way it makes it work more manageable. Yeah, and that that update that we released for Vancouver, the very first one, um, it was a headache for Freddie and I. <laughs> we didn't sleep for a month. Oh, no, no. <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry. No, it's uh, fine. hearing about <laughs> that whole compiling thing is just it. That would. That would really push my patience because the sim takes forever to start. I don't know about like I don't know if you guys have like super machines or something that can get 
Microsoft Flight Simulator to start really quickly. But for me, it takes like at least five minutes and then another like two to three to load up in the sim. So you're talking about like 20 ish minutes to see and like a change that you made, depending on how long it took for you to either compile it or to like make the change in the first place. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The I... change that you made doesn't work. So, you know, yeah, keep on <laughs> doing it. Worse. That's so true. I remember just the downtown part for Vancouver. Um, we needed to fix some of the textures that were, um, there were issues with flickering. Um, and the number of times that you had to go out of the sim, fix it, go in the sim, fix it, go out of the sim, fix it until everything was fixed <laughs> with all the buildings downtown. Um, yeah, it, it can be very lengthy. Oh my god okay respect to you guys i will never give bad reviews ever again <laughs> <laughs> no i think you should i think you should i think you should i think they are bad apples i think that um they are bad apples and they are senior developers who are learning and without those comments uh it's easy to just sit back and not move forward um i think i can speak for both gabriel and us in the last few releases um, our products became much, much, much better. And mm-hmm. even before I joined the team, um, there is a curve and you can see the progression as well. So it's normal for, um, you know, it, it's great to get that feedback so that next time we're working on our next project, if there's something that the community doesn't like, then we can fix it or we can go around it, right? Yeah, right. I'm touching on that point. Um, after we released uh, the update for Vancouver on, on B3D, Frederick and I had a conversation about what to improve in the future. So we already have a plan on things that we need to uh, like improve and, and methods that we need to refine based on what the community say, said, basically. And, and also to avoid the issues we'd had with the update. So as I said, it was a, a nightmare. It was a headache just because we didn't plan right. ahead. So would you say... say- you're kind of alluding to the fact that the the community actually helps you a lot more than you might let on to yeah i mean negative comments sometimes are very constructive and and sometimes are a great source of you know feedback for for us to improve in the future right yeah i mean i personally i i I often enjoy the people who um leave really specific constructive criticism on videos because we recently tried to do, um, we tried to do, like reschedule reviews, not reschedule, reformat—that's the word. Um, and part of it included having a face cam so that you kind of had like a break every once in a while from watching the scenery. And I asked people what they thought about about it, and lots of people left really specific comments about how um, they didn't like it, but I could try like this thing instead, and and try maybe if I if. I needed to have the face cam, like putting it in this direction or, or something along those lines. And it really helps you grow a lot. People don't realize that their feedback can actually um, mean a lot. However, I will say really negative comments <laughs> do not help. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it depends uh, if it's constructive, constructive or not. Exactly, exactly. I mean, so um, as developers, I mean, sorry, so but have you... No? grown a thick skin as far as you know listen to some of the really really negative comments and being able to just let it roll off your back and not take it personally um i'll take this one first if you guys don't mind yeah no worries there's so one of the i just gonna go back to the first negative comment i ever got it was like three years ago and it it honestly it, it, it touched pretty hard like it, it hurt um but i mean after that you, you kind of you take it and you 
you bring parts that you that are kind of legitimate about it and how you can learn off of it and then the rest of it that's like in a personal attack on yourself you can just throw that away and, and kind of learn to ignore that um because th there are some out there where people will you know comment on a scenery and then personally attack the developer and you know it's a very rare occasion that it happens you kind of just throw the personal attack out but then you can definitely learn even from the most negative comments that hey maybe i'll go look here you know fix something up change it a little bit because obviously someone had a thought about it and you know it's not right so you know i'll go back and look at it again and make sure it's right but uh, i think after a while you get you get used to kind of throwing away the personal attack but definitely taking in the um actual material that they're kind of explaining to you yeah the actual part of the scenery that they don't like and uh so yeah, I, I would say that you would kind of grow a thick skin to it. Yeah, I agree with Patrick. Um, it would be the same for me. Uh, the first few comments you get are always more, you know, personal because, well, first of all, if you're doing this by yourself, this is your fault. Um, you could be doing better, I guess. But then you realize, you know, haters gonna hate. There's always gonna be people criticizing. And there's also a lot of people that um, love your work and like what you do. And then they, you know, they give you constructive feedback. And that's what I take, basically. I take the constructive feedback and, and we apply Frederick and I, as I said, we have been taking constructive, constructive feedback from Vancouver to apply that to future projects. I think, uh, yeah, I think the first comments always hurt the most because for the month prior, you haven't sleep. So you're really product and then the couple of days after you're just troubleshooting some stuff and so the first comments come in and you're just edgy um mm -hmm. no i'm kidding but uh, i think i think those comments as i said yeah i think as i said earlier those comments they help us move the community further and further and further um and i think you know conditions drive innovation and i think that those oh, comments yeah. is always something to look into um applying whether they're super negative um there's probably other people thinking that way so we have to act on them. They're the customers, right? So they're the people we want to please um, at the end of the day. So I have a funny story. I mean, I'm a streamer, so I, I really do go through and read all the comments on the videos after they've been posted and all that stuff. And I never forgot this one. Um, I usually say welcome aboard to anybody new who comes into the comment section while I'm live streaming. I just something that I do. I glance over, see who's there, say hello to them, and I use the phrase "welcome aboard." So one comment, the guy was like, "Can you shut up and stop saying welcome aboard to every single person that comes in?" <laughs> he goes, "Jeez, we know it's airplane. We know they're already on board. Just stop saying it." And I got, I, I remember reading that, going, "Oh my god, this is harsh," you know. But I did catch myself in the next stream, going, "You know, I really probably do say." welcome board a little too much. Let me change it up and say it, just say hello. You know, <laughs> I did change, but you know, I guess it's kind of like that where it, it sucks what they're saying to you or they, how they're saying it, but at least if you reflect back just a little bit to see if they have a valid point or not. Exactly. Exactly. The most powerful thing you can do is be part of that community, right? Like a I think a developer that isn't part of the community, they're missing out on so much, right? The general crowd has so much information that you can gather from them and how they feel about mm -hmm. something. You, you you have to be in the community if you want to be, um, you know, kind. I, I guess I would say successful in it and you know have kind of a good following. It's a must, right? You have to be active in the community. You got to take in what other people think, or else you're you you as a developer, you're not going to grow, right? If you're not taking in any 
any of the community feedback and you know you're you're, you're going to end up not pleasing the customer in the end right so I, I think the best thing we can all do is really look at those comments even the bad comments and go okay i'll look at that you know i'll see what i can do off of that even though it's like the nastiest comment i've ever seen in my life i'll still work <laughs> right. off of that yeah so you know i, I mean yeah, yeah the flight team community can be very um critical sometimes i would say um but again most of those comments are positive in, at the end like are are uh constructive and for me uh for example i take very seriously the the customer uh, perspective on things i uh, like I'm, i consider myself a cons- customer centric person so um i i'm always listening to community and also trying to please the people so one of the things uh that we had with vancouver very early on is that um vancouver doesn't really get that much uh snow winters in vancouver are very light and for me uh i mean developing canadian sceneries having winter textures are a must basically and one of the very first things that the community said especially like early november and december was like hey why am i getting snow in vancouver if we don't ever get snow here and that's something i didn't think about i was like okay yeah vancouver gets snow like twice a year so might as well have it and then the community said no like this is not how vancouver works so i made it optional and that's something I completely missed, and that's something Frederick completely missed. And then listening to a community, we realized, okay, this is probably not the best approach. We could do something different. We could do something better here. It's almost as if they kept you in check. <laughs> yeah, basically. True, true. So moving forward now, Epsom Studios. Um, what can you talk about that's coming on the turnpike? What can't you talk about, or what 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 can we expect the community expect from you guys now? Since you guys have this nice conglomerate together for Canada, for the north part of the, the continent here, what's going to go on with you guys? What do you guys have coming I, that you're excited about? I also, I also do want to add as well to that. Um, not only what do you guys have have coming, but what's next for your your partnership with Patrick? Yeah, so I'll give this one to Frederick. Um, if you wanna say something sure um well we huh, um we've got a couple of things coming up um as far as canadian scenery so we're currently uh working hard on uh i suppose um releasing vancouver for msfs um we also have uh, in the works halifax so we're um currently we're almost done the project for uh p3d um so as soon as we got vancouver out of the uh the works then uh, Halifax will go full steam on. I'll take a little bit more time to uh, go with teaching and uh, doing Halifax at the same time so we can get it out uh, as early as possible. Uh, but most of the work has been done uh, over the holidays in part. Um, that. Um, afterwards, we've got a special project that's coming in um, that's going to be very, very exciting over uh, Flight Sim 2020. Uh, we've got we've got oh, uh, London. Uh, so London is my uh, home airport at the moment. Um, that's where I live. So London, Ontario, is west of uh, Toronto, east of uh, Windsor slash Detroit. Um, so that was my first three D project. So the one that I actually practiced three D modeling. Um, so everything is pretty much done for that one as well. It's just there um, in the queue. 
Uh, am I missing anything, uh, Gabriel? Calgary. So oh, Calgary. Yeah, Calgary yeah. version two is coming. Yeah, that one's gonna um, be a big one. Um, probably Q two, three from this year. Um, we expect to release it. Um, yeah, that's basically it. So as I said, we're working on a few other things on the side as well. Um, just to uh have a very better customer experience throughout. But yeah, those are basically the plans. There's a few other things in there. But yeah, those are the plans. Yeah, we always have like, so we're, well, obviously Calgary is the latest one that we'll, like, or the, the one that's going to come to three, um, potentially. So we were always discussing about, oh, what are we going to do next? You know, because we're just like mm -hmm. daydreaming, um, taking a break from our jobs um, and thinking, oh, yeah, that'd be cool to do this. Uh, but um, yeah, I've always been very very supportive of doing canadian airports just because i've seen the lack of canadian airports uh wanting to fly air canada or wanting to fly WestJet, right um so that london airport was part of that we being able to do some dash shade into london and then eventually i wanted to do originally before i joined the team windsor and this and this and that um so it's always a focus for us to be able to do that um but we also want to look at our other options as well and what um what about your uh, future with Patrick? How is um how is that looking? Oh, we we're still collaborating. So Patrick's gonna be fully involved with Calgary, with London, um, uh, Halifax. We actually have a collaboration with another X-Plane developer. Um, awesome. And yeah, in the future, like Patrick, I I think he's working on a few projects, and we are interested as well on on bringing those to uh, B3D and and potentially working together on MSFS. I need to say it's been awesome. I, I don't know Patrick personally, um, but it's been awesome to be able to work with Canada for Explain just because we are able to offer um, customers as much choice as possible when it comes to airport. And we know how few developers are working on Canadian airports. So to be able to collaborate on that and get you know the ball rolling and get as many out as possible um, has been a very, very positive experience. How, how did the, the link with Patrick come about? Maybe I, I missed it, but how did that come about? Um. I think I briefly touched it. Gabriel, do you, do you want me to take it or? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I don't so... remember actually. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay, on that. Um... <laughs> so it was about, it was almost a year. Yeah, it's almost yeah, a, year a year now. Coming up on a, our, our year anniversary here. Um... Oh. How sweet. No. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. Except that Gabriel has short-term memory. Oh, yeah. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> Too many things on my mind. Sorry. Yeah, I <laughs> forgot our one year. That kind of hurts me. But anyways. Um, <laughs> all jokes. Um, So I finished up Hamilton, and I was looking to do Kelowna. I, I love flying out of, in and out of Kelowna because uh, I think, like Friedrich said, the RNAVs and the approaches in there are super fun in the 737. Um, So I was looking at it, and then I... I, I, I've always seen FSIM Studio scenery for P3D, and I was like, you know, this is this is good quality stuff, and it's for Canada, so awesome. And I was like, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll send them an email. Like to, to me, these guys were like big developers, like they, they were like the big guys. And you know, being you know Canada for X-Men, I'm like, I'm kind of like the little guy. This is gonna be a long shot if I actually get this. But uh, I, I I emailed Gabriel, and I was like, hey, what do you think about bringing you know some of your products to um, X-Plane? And he, he was on board, and I was like, yes, I scored it, great. Now I need to, you know, really do the best job I can ever do 
to make sure that I can keep this. So, um, you know, I worked on Kelowna for a little bit. It was the first time converting um, and, and using these models. So it was a little bit of a different workflow. But uh, in the end, you know, I've finally gotten that workflow done using the materials that they're giving me now. And I think the product for Explain is really great. Like I, I fly into that scenery all the time and I found myself kind of more critical of the work that I'm doing and I'm still really happy with Kelowna. I'm actually just uh, working on an update for it now to uh, incorporate automatic seasonal change using the SAM Seasons plugin. I actually just finished that for Vancouver City last night and Quebec City. Um, just finished those two last night and uh, soon to be Kelowna. Anyways, I worked on Kelowna, got that finished, gave it to Gabriel. He liked it. So I was like, great, awesome. I got it. He gave me a couple more projects to do. And then we were talking and this actually eventually leaded on to Vancouver. And I was like, hey, I'm working on a Vancouver scenery. And they're like, hey, so are we. And I'm like, well, great. <laughs> this is awesome. This, uh, you just made my day. So we kind of got that together. And uh, in the end, yeah, we kind of just formed into this where I'm, you know, working with the materials that they're giving me, you know, making them optimize for X-Plane and, you know, the performance that I've seen. And I think a lot of other people have seen are really awesome with these models. Like they work amazing in X-Plane. So you guys over there, you're doing a great job. Um, and yeah, it kind of just morphed into what we have now. And I, I think we have a lot more projects that we're going to do in the future. And I think it's yeah, pretty definitely. bright. For, for Vancouver, it was actually interesting because I saw your announcement on uh, FSLE that you were working on Makur. And well, I mean, we already had plans on, on doing Vancouver. We already started like, you know, gathering photos and all of this. And when I, when we discussed um, collaborating on Vancouver, I remember you, you already had some of the buildings that we were planning to do um, already done. So it was like really, really beneficial to, you know, just collaborate and share what we had with you and you sharing what you had with us. So yeah, that way, um, I think the final product um, for both P3D and Nextplane is amazing. Like, um, I, as I said a while ago, um, I'm very proud of that project. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I think having kind of the same, because every developer has their own style, right? And having the same style between, let's say, like, when I fly Microsoft Flight Sim and I fly out of Kelowna, and I have the same scenery for Kelowna and Xplane, I think mm -hmm. the immersion there kind of takes it down between now I'm flying two different sims to now I'm just flying out of Kelowna, right? I'm exactly. not thinking I'm yeah. flying out of X-Plane Kelowna or I'm flying out of Microsoft Flight Sim Kelowna. Now I'm just flying out of Kelowna, which is so awesome because now I can choose what simulator I want for what type of flying I want, right? For Microsoft Flight Sim, probably choose VFR. Um, now I can fly out of Kelowna, but I'm going to have the same, you know, scenery. So I'm not going to be like, oh, there's a new taxiway here that isn't an X-Plane or, you know, there isn't a new building in here that isn't an X-Plane. Even everything down to almost the ground traffic placement is pretty much similar, and I think the immersion to me is amazing. Now, I actually love that. Love that being able to, if you could move from sim to sim and have a similar experience with the scenery. That's you know, <clears throat> that's like that's what we need. You know, with three sims out there now, or four. You know, we we need to be able to have everything across the board. That you know, depending on you know, no matter who's flying and what what you're flying, we all have the same scenery. All right with GPS coordinates, especially sometimes you're on Vatsim and somebody's got a different scene than you, your airplane is in the grass. That is awesome. And I, I have that Vancouver scenery and explain and I love it. I mean, they really do everything about it. Just like, you know, you saw my stream on it. It was like, wow, this is good. Yeah. Yeah. So if this yeah, is why you guys have coming out, I mean, yeah. 
And every senior, I think Gabriel and Frieder can agree on every senior you get so much better and you look back, you know, even me looking now back at Quebec and Hamilton, I need to update those two. And that was just a year ago, right? Because, you know, yeah. my personal yeah. skill has grown. I mean, considerably I, see grown. Edmonton, I see Edmonton that was released a year and two months ago. And man, like I that needs an update as well. Mm-hmm. And that's also being kind of critical on ourselves because, I mean, I look at Edmonton and I just the, I know uh norm you you commented on the tower on that uh, scenery that that big shiny tower and how amazing like I don't, I don't even know how you guys modeled that like i'm just i'm oh, i'm awesome. blown away it was painful like, it was painful <laughs> i tried doing it <laughs> like, like this is real like, yeah, it is. yeah no, i don't even want to know how many uh compiles you had to do for that one <laughs> but bring it in to explain it look uh i'm doing some pbr work on it now i'm having another update rolling it out um i i know a fellow that uh that uh, is around edmonton all the time so he's given me a very long list of things that are are uh that can be changed so i have to work on that here soon but uh yeah the just just the going back to even having the same edmonton scenery for you know p3d microsoft flight sim you know x-plane all at once you know you're gonna have better you know taxiway matching with all the batsim traffic right and you're, you're, everyone's kind of on the same page. Like we finally have a real scenery that everyone is, you know, commonly using between all platforms. It's a great thing. That is definitely a great thing. Yeah, that's really awesome. I'm I'm really happy for you guys, and and I've never heard of any partnerships like this happening before. Um, and it's it's a breath of fresh air that you guys are so we're just so open to it from the get go too, because, um. I, it, it's it's kind of like two great developers collaborating. So instead of them each working on their own scenery, which are fantastic, it's them working on one scenery that is like beyond fantastic because you guys have so much skill combined, and uh, that that's such a cool thing because I I've I've never seen anything like this before. And honestly, when Patrick told me that you two um were on were collaborating. I was just like, "What? That that is something I've never heard about. That is super cool." So yeah, it's it's definitely very welcome, and you guys have done a fantastic job. Uh, Vancouver is beautiful, and I'm so excited to see it in Microsoft Flight Simulator as well. Yeah, and we're super open to collaborate with other developers. Uh, as I said, we're working with another Xbox developer for Halifax, and we're talking to one, like other developers in the P3D MSFS community um, to collaborate as well. So so there's a lot of things coming. Yep. Amazing. It's collaborations are hard, but I think when you get, you know, the right people and everyone's on the same page, you can really, you know, step it up a notch and really bring a good product to the customer. It's definitely a plus because I don't think I, we would be able to have, you know, a Vancouver scenery for X-Plane, the depth that it is now, if it wasn't, you know, for the work that uh, Gabriel and Friedrich did, just because, you know, they have a bigger platform to work on it versus X-Plane. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see what you guys are going to continue to do and I'm excited to see everything in both simulators and um hopefully when Vancouver releases for Microsoft Flight Simulator I'll be able to have that um that two sim experience that you were talking about Patrick but um thank you guys so much for coming on and, and talking to us um just about you know random stuff such as your your degrees or um what it's like to be a teacher um, and all of that. I really enjoyed talking to you guys and it's it's been great and I'm really excited to see what you guys um, do in the future. 
Absolutely. I guess we could talk for hours, but then people will be like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us as well. And, and thank you for doing this. I think this is the only podcast on the flight team community. And it's great that people are doing content like this. Yeah. We have a monopoly. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>